Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Daily Coast The Brief. This is our weekly show about politics. I'm Marcos Molitsis. Normally, I'd be here with Carrie Alavelle, but <laughs> we've been off the air for a couple, almost a month, I guess, a little bit over a month. And um, this was going to be our triumphant return, and she was sick. So instead, we have Joan McCarter, which is perfect, actually. Hi, Joan. Hi. Joan is perfect because she just... Wasted's not the right word, right? But she just <laughs> three weeks of her life <laughs> covering every step, uh... <laughs> every step of the drama in the U.S. House of Representatives with with uh, Kevin McCarthy's ouster through votes and votes and votes, failed votes uh, as Republicans went through like after caucus to um, finally land on who might be perhaps the worst person possible for the job. Um, what's his name? Mike Johnson? Mike, Mike. Ch- second to worst. They second could have George worst. Santos. Oh, yeah, <laughs> okay, George Santos. <laughs> okay, I got it. Second second to worst. So, uh, Joan, thank you so much for joining me and in doing so very last minute as well. So really appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. So um, since we've been gone for a while we never did get a chance to talk about kevin mccarthy and and his ouster and um at this point i guess it's it's a bit of old news so i don't really want to rehash it too much oh but it's so delicious but looking back at it given everything that's passed do you read it differently now than you did in the moment as it was happening because as it was happening it seemed to be a temper tantrum by Matt Gates and a handful of his nihilist Freedom Caucus people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Democrats say, like, we're going to vote against them no matter what. So you guys get your act together. And uh, and McCarthy didn't seem to know what he was doing, didn't know how to count votes, apparently. Something that is endemic to the whole Republican caucus. They don't know how to count votes. Looking back at it now, do you see things differently or is it is that pretty much what happened? I think I see more agency in Matt Gates. Nancy Mace, the, the the eight who were being led in large part by Steve Bannon. I see more method to the madness in terms of just sowing more chaos, creating more upheaval, giving Vladimir Putin another gift of, of American government in disarray. So I do think that there was a more, it wasn't just a temper tantrum, I don't think, by Gates. That was part of it. I mean, he really, really dislikes Kevin McCarthy. But would he have gone to this degree to oppose him? I'm not sure without a lot of egging on in the background by Steve Bannon. So there's that element of it. Um, I think I think that might have been why it happened now instead of in another few months. Maybe not. You know, maybe it was always coming. But it, it was a pretty extreme measure. It, it has never happened before in the history of the United States. So it's it's a big deal. So that's interesting. Um, if it was Steve Bannon's master plan, that master plan clearly included Matt Gates being the speaker, right? That was the I don't end. Think I think point. it's still having Matt Gates there as the chaos agent, able to stir things up. I think that you saw that in one of the failed votes. First, Matt Gates was supporting Tom Emmer, who was nominee number three for the speakership. Um, Gates originally came out saying, yeah, 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 Emmer, I'm behind Emmer, only to have the rug pulled out from Emmer once he'd gotten the nod from the rest of the conference. 
with Trump coming in and then Gates coming in and saying, oh, yeah, we can't do this. And, and that, I think, probably has Steve Bannon's fingerprints on it, too. So I don't know that this was the end game of the master plan. I don't know that he has a master plan beyond just making things as disruptive and as chaotic and as dysfunctional as possible. And, you know, Matt Gates is the perfect guy to help him do that. No, that's, that's true. And just for context, um, Steve Bannon literally talks about being a chaos agent. And that's why he got ba uh, behind Donald Trump in 2016. That has been his uh, operating theory that you just break things. And mm -hmm. I'm not sure what happens after you break those things. But his whole goal in, in politics is just to, to, to be exactly that, just to create chaos. Donald Trump's a perfect example of it. And the ouster of McCarthy really kind of validated that theory, right? Because we had three weeks of chaos. Yeah. And we started with uh, Steve Scalise was the first Republican to win the caucus vote mm -hmm. for the nominee. And normally that would mean that the whole caucus gets behind that person, right? That's, that's right. how Particularly since, you work. know, he's majority leader. He's a known entity. Most of them like the guy. Um, except for McCarthy. McCarthy really didn't like him, and I think that was one of the things that happened to him, that McCarthy was backstabbing on behalf of Jim Jordan, the they're next such lovely people, aren't they? <laughs> oh, they're horrible people. They are horrible people. I mean, <laughs> Steve Scalise probably would have been the least worst, even probably. though he is, you know, what is he? And he's reliably conservative, right? There's, there's reliably conservative. On a policy standpoint, there's really nothing anybody could point to and say that guy's not, not a good no, conservative. No, He's the guy who called himself David Duke without the baggage back when he was running for stuff <laughs> in Louisiana. Yes. So, you know, he's, he's not a lefty by any means. Um, I, Scalise would not have been the worst because Scalise at least knows how stuff is supposed to work because he's been majority leader. He's been in the leadership for all of this time. So, so that was Scalise. He and just I just want to really uh, their worst possible option of this bunch was the guy who literally called himself David Duke without the baggage just to to, to establish no, the best where one. we yeah, are the best on the spectrum, which is <laughs> so far to the right that I can't even I can't even fathom it. So okay, so Scalise crashes and burns. Um, he he came close though, right? I mean, it was a was it the original eight or ten that really refused to back him, if I if I recall correctly. Yeah, Jordan sort of gave a yeah <laughs> for him. Said actually said in a meeting, and this this created a great deal of confrontation and and animus in the caucus. He actually told Jordan in a meeting or Scalise in a meeting that he had one chance, he had one vote to get to be speaker. Jordan would introduce him, but if he lost that first vote, then he would immediately have to drop out and endorse Jordan. And a bunch of members overheard that and freaked out and yeah, started the firing so squad really again. We've established they're lovely people. They're lovely people. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why the next candidate, Jordan, blew up. He just yeah. he just made too many of them too angry over that move with Scalise. He never came close. I mean, it was it was hmm. twenty to thirty, or around the twenties, right? Low twenties. It got to the point where it was like in the eighties of yeah. people saying, "Absolutely not! I will not vote for this man to be my leader." Yeah, and it took him a while to really realize that. Like he he pushed longer than most.
really hard. And I think probably that didn't help either. I mean, there was the bullying of yeah. members. There were the death threats. There were people sending texts to members' wives and kids. There, there was really, really ugly stuff happening from the forces that Jordan instigates. Um, it was bad. It was really bad. And I think that that hurt him. Um, yeah. So the fact probably that he threatened to hold them in for the weekend, <laughs> taking vote after vote after vote after vote. Yeah. Don't don't get in the way of a congressperson in their weekend. <laughs> right. ever, ever. I mean, that's the best time to like pass an omnibus that funds the government for the next year. It's just threatening to do it on a Friday, right? Like, right. No, and that's why they all happen on Fridays <laughs> or, you know, the weekend before Thanksgiving, the weekend before Christmas. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. So, okay. So Jordan finally surrenders. Okay. So who's next? Tom Emmer. We he probably wouldn't have been a horrible one either. He's except for the counting thing. <laughs> He's the whip. <laughs> well, he also gets lied to a lot. Uh, I mean, Republicans are liars. They could very well tell him, yeah, sure. I'm there for you. And then not be. So I don't know that you could put that entirely on camera. I just, I just want to, Take a quick aside to note that Nancy Pelosi had the same margin of, of um, majority um, in the last Congress, and she passed all manners of historic legislation. Mm -hmm. uh, and she always knew what votes she had. And she mm -hmm. was smart enough throughout her entire career, not just the last um, last Congress, to know when to let uh, Congress people vote differently yeah. if they needed to because of their district. And uh, she actually was, she knew how to manage, how to count, how to account for people's mm -hmm. individual interests. Something these guys, none of these guys know how to do. No. They can't even do a no. basic count. It's absolutely amazing. Lying or not, at least nobody lied to Nancy Pelosi because she gave them no reason. Right, right. Why? It wasn't going to go to the floor if she didn't have the votes. Yeah. That was just that. I mean, they couldn't get a defense appropriations bill passed. Yeah, so Republicans refusing to... Yeah pass defense appropriations and they put it on the floor three times so bad all right so emmer he just couldn't get the votes right he just couldn't, he get, couldn't the get the votes he couldn't yeah. get the votes um it started out looking good like i said earlier with gates saying yeah sure sure i'll help i'll help emmer i like yeah. him he's a good guy and then immediately turning around and stabbing him in the back once he got the got the nod from the conference and then it just melted away support just melted away and so was johnson the last the next guy. Johnson was the last. All right. So I will, for full disclosure, the night that they had the caucus meeting that nominated Johnson, you know, within the Republican caucus, Joan was working late because she, I think, worked late every day in those three <laughs> weeks. She's working late. And I said uh, on our company Slack, I was like, why do they, where do these people think they're going to keep getting these votes? Like, this isn't this the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different outcome? And so we were convinced that that this was Johnson. And, and qu quite quickly, we saw information coming out that showed what a disaster of a human being he was. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, no, the moderates aren't going to go for this guy. Like, you know, this thing's going to continue. And then we wake up and he's got the votes, all of them, yeah. every single one. I, I have to admit, I had sort of a bad feeling when I went to bed that night thinking, you know, they're probably just so worn down with all of this that they'll just go ahead and do it. Frankly, I thought that's what was going to happen with Jordan, that they'd be so freaked out about the chaos that they would just say, fine, great, that's you can Jordan have it. Wanted. 
the yeah. problem with Jordan, of course, was that he was just so aggressive toward them and so bullying and so he's awful. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that they just couldn't. So we end up with this nice guy who nobody knows anything about. Lots of the new members, I'm convinced, don't have any idea who he is. Yeah, sure. He's he's <laughs> Jim Jordan in a suit jacket, but he's nice enough. Yeah, sure. This guy. We've got to do something. We've got to land on somebody. So, yeah, okay, him. Yeah, I remember Ken Buck was saying uh, he's a Colorado conservative who seems to, at least he acts like he cares about election Mm -hmm. integrity, right? So one of his big issues was election denialism, the big lie, and uh, creating this fiction that Biden had not won. And he sort of had made that a litmus test. Yes. And suddenly you have... Mike Johnson, who literally filed the the legal briefs challenging the certification of Joe Biden's mm-hmm. victories in, yep. in certain key states. So he was a yep. clear participant, an active participant. In yeah, he was almost the architect of, of how Congress approached this, how the House Republicans and Senate Republicans said, OK, these are the states that we will deny certification of the electors for. You know, that was that was him creating this. And somehow that was okay for Ken Buck. It was, it was weird. I mean, I know his reasoning was something like, well, the courts are okay. If you're using the courts, that's the right way. To right. Changing it to the court was the right way to do it, which, okay. Yes. But then when the court says no in the Congress, you say, okay, yeah, fine. We so. give up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it was actually bizarre to see, we have a situation politically where, where 18 of those Republicans represent Joe Biden districts. And those districts are, are typically in an off year election, there'll be more, you know, lower turnout. You have weird mm-hmm. dynamics. And in this case, Republicans won. And they're disproportionately represented in California, in New York, but, you know, other places as well. First of all, they voted for, most of them voted for, for Jim Jordan multiple times. Mm-hmm. Jim Jordan's got national name recognition. He's somebody that already Democrats were going to sort of wrap around their necks. And now you have Mike Johnson, who every day, Joan, it's like it gets worse. He is the so coming like this backbencher who nobody had heard of, who was, you know, he was conspiring with Donald Trump and doing his shenanigans. But he wasn't he had no public profile. They, nobody bothered to do a quick Google search on him, apparently. And uh, and they all sort of fell in line. And you got 18 people that now have to run with Mike Johnson wrapped around her necks or anchor, whatever the, the metaphor you want to use. And it just blows my mind that none of them had any sense of self-preservation to yeah. either say, like, not this guy or to cut a deal with the Democrats to get one of those guys as speaker, which yeah. seemed to be the logical outcome. And maybe, I, I know Johnson made this argument, like if, if you don't vote for me, we got to cut a deal with the Democrats. And apparently that was the worst thing possible. Yeah. And do you have a sense why they were so opposed to having one of their moderates be speaker and, and cutting that deal with the Democrats? <sighs> those Biden 18, I have no idea. Um, peer pressure, fear the for their safety. Their their personal safety, their family safety, maybe. Uh, certainly, they don't have fear for their political future because that was just signing their political death warrants. I mean, they're gone. They're gone. a national abortion ban might be the mildest thing that Mike Johnson supports. <laughs> Seriously, tell us some of the, some of the other things he's done. He is just so rapidly anti-woman. 
anti-LGBTQ+, anti brown people, anti-black people, anti-anything you can be against that isn't white. He he has said that societal ills like gun violence are because of no-fault divorce, birth control, uh, the sexual revolution, feminism. I mean, these are... This is just one of the one of the things he thinks that he believes in a religious litmus test to run for office. Uh, what else? I should I should. I know we should have all of these things memorized. It's just that there's so many and they keep coming out um, <laughs> more and more stuff. Yeah. Which one did I just see come in right now? Literally just came in right now was. Uh, oh, he compared environmentalists pushing for climate action to the devil. Oh, yes. The devil. I mean, it's not even saying like I disagree because of economic, you know, impact to our economy and people losing their job. Like there's an argument to be made. It's a bad argument, but he's like, not, he's not in this realm of existence. Because he all policy beliefs, he, has said, he has said, I get all of my policy beliefs from the Bible. Yeah, all of them. And he means yeah. it. He means it. <laughs> That's that's the part, right? There, there's a the part where you can you can say things to get elected. You can say things to have a public persona or to build to be. I think a lot of these Republicans, like Matt Gates and Nancy Mays, I think they're they think they're Instagram influencers, not legislators. Yeah. He actually he's a true believer. Johnson yes. really believes that environmentalists fighting for you know against climate change are, are the devil. I mean, it is it is almost hourly that something new comes out and he's been speaker now for what a week maybe i don't I, i've lost track of time <laughs> it's like time space continuum is all well, yeah up. it was last wednesday it, it blows my mind that he's that things are still emerging out of it and, and then you get you get situations like um there's going to be a vote in the house on on wednesday we're recording this on tuesday on wednesday that um, would cut funding for the California rail. Seems very sort of esoteric and very local. It's gonna fail. Senate would never go for it, so it's going nowhere. But you know what it does is is some of those Biden district Republicans are actually clustered. There's four of them clustered in Orange County, Southern California, which is served by this rail line. He's gonna force them to vote against a a program that is likely popular in their districts, and so there's none of that self-preservation of the mm-hmm. of the of the um, of the majority that a Nancy Pelosi would have. Nancy Pelosi would never have that vote to begin with, and no. if she were to have that no. vote, she would orchestrate it so those people would vote against her. So then they can go back home and talk about how independent from Nancy Pelosi they are. Right. I think Johnson thinks he's going to pray his way back into the majority. <laughs> He's so. there. Yeah. And part of it is his naivete. Part of it is his total lack of experience running anything in Congress. Anything. No bills, no, no legislation to. He's ever. only been there since 2017 and has never had a leadership role beyond, you know, Republican study conference or something. He's, he's had sort of messaging stuff, but he's never had to do anything logistically at all, ever. So this is part of what's crazy, too. He came out with this insane agenda where he was still going to try to push what McCarthy was trying to do, pass eight appropriations bills in three weeks' time, 
to take to the Senate and say, here, you you pass all of these or the government shut this down. Well, and, and when is the government shutting down? November 17th. Okay. Yeah. That. <laughs> so that that was in, that's in a, the bill that's coming up tomorrow is one of the appropriations bills. It's the transportation appropriation bill. They're going to try to do it, legislative affairs, housing, and there's one other that they're going to try to do just this week, and they're not coming in until tomorrow. And then they, and they're going to leave Friday. And they're going to leave Friday. Because, yeah. So and they also have the Israeli aid bill in which they're trying to cut IRS funding. They've got all of the you know reprimands and censures and expulsions of members that are privileged and have to come to the floor. So he's putting out stuff that is unrealistic. Um, and I think that his inexperience is one of the things that's really got me worried about how government's going to be functioning after November 17th. Yeah, it's been amazing seeing Senate Republicans kind of, you, you got the Nihilist crew over there, they exist, the Ron yeah. Johnsons and and the Tommy Tumberbills, but the, the mainstream Republicans in the Senate are just so frustrated. Yeah. They're not even hiding their disdain. Well, even the Johnsons and the Tubervilles were thinking, you know, the House really is a little crazy. They kind of got to get their stuff in gear here. Um, but then, you know, they're all on a, all aboard the Mike Johnson train. And then you mentioned the Israel aid, and that's actually mm -hmm. a kind of fascinating one. I actually think this is one place where they actually are being very clever because what they're doing is they're demanding a offset to pay for the, first of all, they, they split off Israel from Ukrainian aid, mm -hmm. which the Senate still isn't aboard, including Senate Republicans. Right. Aboard. And Mitch McConnell, most importantly. Yeah. And uh, but in the House, so they, they're splitting them and then they're saying that they have to be offset. And it's clever because the um, the Israel aid is I, I forget the exact number. It's what, seven billion dollars, something like that. Fourteen point six. Oh, 14. OK. The Ukraine aid bill is it's I don't know, 80 billion. 80 it, some. Yeah. 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 So so if they set the precedent that the Israeli aid needs to be offset, then why wouldn't the Ukrainian aid be offset? And there's no $80 billion in offset to be found. Yes. So it's a very sort of clever way to try to kill Ukrainian aid and do Putin's bid in the House. But uh, even I think they he did screw up on the on the Israel stuff because cutting they you know, it's sort of evidence that they live in this bubble because they went after <laughs> IRS funding when the IRS funding actually brings in more money than it than than it takes up because obviously these agents are are going after tax cheats and most of these are millionaires and billionaires. These are Republicans and so it's chafed Republicans that that spending is there, right? Because their own yeah. donors hate yeah. it. They're being targeted, and so instead of going after I don't know something that that might have been politically more palatable to you know to broader public i don't know what that might be they went after something that just math doesn't even work out and they're getting a lot of pushback on that which has been kind of interesting well it's just a gimme for democrats to say you know they're putting their tax cheat billionaires above israel this yeah. is what they're doing they're playing politics with israel to give their tax cheats a break so, I, that's just a big old fat softball for for Democrats to hit out of the market. It was not not the smartest political move, although it will make the rabid crowd wild. They'll love it. Except for Marjorie Taylor Greene and Tom Massey. They don't like it. 
but they don't want any spending. So <laughs> nihilist. Yeah, <laughs> they're all horrible people, and they're all fighting <laughs> each other. It's so it's been fascinating. So it, it's there, there's sort of kind of layers here. One, there's the the kind of the inexperience slash stupidity of of some of the tactics are you know he's doing right now because he really doesn't know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. There's a real world consequences if the government shuts down, if they don't get their, their shit together. And I, I don't see how they do that. I mean, we may yeah. have to see a continuing resolution just to keep the government funded at current levels. And it might not be coming out of Johnson's office, right? That could be a discharge petition. Well, Johnson said he has been willing to do a continuing resolution either till, I think he said January 15th or April 15th. Okay. April is not gonna fly with the Senate. That's too long. They're not going to let that go. Um, And if it goes past January, that's when the 1% cuts that Biden agreed to way back when in the debt ceiling deal for the budget. If they didn't have all of the appropriations done by the end of this year, that agreement said they would start cutting everything by 1%. Everything. Defense, veterans. I mean, would that make... Border security, everything. That makes Marjorie Taylor Greene happy? Yes, it would. So that's probably why one of the options that he's got for a continuing resolution would go into April. So he did put that out there as a possibility. But that's going to have to be to get past his crazies, all of the people that booted McCarthy. He's going to have to put really, really deep cuts into his continuing resolution that the Senate is not going to accept. So, you know, nothing has been saved at all. It's only been worsened in the three weeks since we haven't had McCarthy. The, the rest of the nightmare still exists, only it's just a little bit worse because we've got a total newbie in charge of it. And if he does anything to anger the nihilist, they can still pull that trigger again, right? There's nothing stopping oh, yeah. them from pulling a McCarthy? Nope. nope. And Democrats would be happy to vote no. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, there's also nothing stopping Democrats from pulling it too. Oh, <laughs> that, that, that would be yeah that would be that would be interesting and so the last layer then is how this impacts the next year's elections and, and this is i've always i've always been very bullish on the how democrats uh chances just based on special election uh performance where democrats are significantly overperforming joe biden's numbers mm-hmm. and there is clear correlation between special elections and uh, general elections that follow them, and also the fact that there's 18 juicy, plump, <laughs> buying districts right for their taking, and their majority is, I mean, you only need to take, what, five, six of them? Might have to do yeah, that. six. Six, yeah. Six <laughs> it's it's yeah. because there are two vacancies now, the math is confused in my head. From But yeah, yeah. It's, it's very, very doable. Uh, on top of everything, Republicans now have a speaker who's never raised money. So yeah. this is literally one of the jobs of a party leader. Everybody thinks it's just it's in the legislature. No, they're, they're, what they're spending 80% of their time is raising money for everybody else. And this is where yeah. none of those, except maybe Scalise, but none of those candidates had really done any effort to build loyalty with the caucus by raising money. This is what yeah. Nancy Pelosi did relentlessly, Jeffries. Yeah. Well, and McCarthy, Steve that's, you know, time. one of the things that got McCarthy the top job was that he brought in a ton of money. Yeah, it was almost $80 million in the last two years is, uh, yeah. I think that's what he had brought in for his um, for his caucus. 
this guy's not raising any money. (laughs) (laughs) And I think he's so extreme that a lot of, well, I don't know. I shouldn't say a lot of donors won't jump in because, you know, I can totally see, for instance, Leonard Leo, who has the same sort of worldview thinking, well, okay, I I can find a few spare million to but if you're a corporate pack, you you, yeah. you know you're going to be very Carly's careful. a nice, safe, pro-business, uh, anti-tax, you know, anti-regulation. Like, okay, that's safe money. Yes, Johnson. First of all, we don't even know where he stands on a lot of this stuff, and he's just a wacko, right? Nobody wants to be associated yeah. with that unless you're a true believer. And they've got that they've got that audience tapped out. Like I don't think there's much of there for them to to continue as far as money and energy. That's that's been their base forever. There's right. not much there. And they're gonna be wanting to send their money to Donald Trump. And Donald Trump doesn't share. He does it's somebody else who doesn't raise money for anybody else. So it's gonna be a fascinating uh situation to watch, both just for the state of the country and our budget and being having a government functioning government but also has huge ramifications for the 2024 elections. And, and so it's, um, I'm sort of like torn between like, oh crap, he's going to break the government and like, oh great, he's going to make it so much easier to win back the House and even to hold the Senate. like uh, To defend the Senate, yeah. Yeah, so, I wanted to hear you talk about that a little bit. I guess I'll have to wait till next week to talk about that <laughs> because we are out of time. Thank you, Joe, so much for joining us. Really appreciate it, especially last minute. But this is also sort of perfect because this is this is the been so consuming just politically in the political world, uh, and also um, your expertise in it is is unparalleled. So such a pleasure to have you here to talk about it. Thank you so much. Thanks. I was very glad to do it. And thanks to everybody who's watching the show, who reads Daily Coast, who takes actions, who does work for for democracy. Thanks to Walter, who produced this show. Thanks to you, the viewer, reader, activist, for doing what you do and being a fellow traveler in this battle for our nation. It's going to be quite the year. We're starting to see. It didn't look this dramatic even, you know, a few months ago. But, you know, with, with Mike Johnson at the helm, with a, 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 somebody who thinks that environmentalists are Satan. That's who the Republicans have landed on to lead their house. And you got Donald Trump leading the top of their ticket. It's going to be a weird one, guys. So I'm glad to have you guys fighting with us, uh, for us, for our country. And I look forward to, uh, to uh, well, glad to be back in the air. I look forward to having this conversation and working for our democracy in the coming year. Thanks so much. Talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>